College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at one of 25 $1,000 savings plan deposits for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Look for the Save Now, Save Later giveaway under the scholarships page. Log on and register today. That's iowastudentloan.org. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy-efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com rebates. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. So welcome in. It is the Huddle Up! Podcast presented as always by Mile High Huddle. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, with me, my fellow football priest, who you know, who you love, Zach Kelberman. Zach. The Denver Broncos, what is this, day four of OTAs? We can talk a little bit about uh, Javante Williams. It was kind of interesting. He got put on the spot a little bit when out of his out of his mouth when he was asked about uh, zone blocking and how hard is that for offensive linemen and running backs to learn zone blocking. And he's like, dude, it's not that hard, but you know, it's not as big a deal as people make it. And then he went on to kind of let slip that that uh, Hackett, he's all about creating confusion on the offense for the opponent, right? Creating confusion pre-snap so they don't know what they're doing and that it's the most complex offense he's ever played in. Well, then, of course, the follow-up to the great journos in the uh, facility that uh, today. Well, was it so it was more complex than, say, Pat Shermer? And then he got all all shucks, you know, like, oh, wait, what did I say? Crap. Ended up buttoning it up, but... Um, Suffice to say, Zach, this is going to be a significantly different scheme. We can talk more about what Javante said, though, uh, than what Pat Shermer ran the yeah. last two years. Yeah, I, I, I would think so for sure. Um, I, I like Javante every time I hear him talk more and more. Just his approach to the game, uh, his his dealings with the media, how he conducts himself. I do like what he said. He was asked to sum up like his goals for the season. He kept it very succinct. He said, I just want to win a Super Bowl. I mean, you can't get much more blue-collar than that. I mean, uh, he's just a very likable player. He's going to be a fixture on offense. And I like that, you know, he's teasing what the Hackett offense is going to look like. Everyone's overshadowing that aspect. Everyone's focusing rightly, I guess, on Russell Wilson and what he's going to bring to the table. But what is this uh, Hackett offense going to look like? What is his play calling going to be like? How aggressive? What's the run-pass split going to look like? We, we played that OTA highlight video, and I pointed out there was a – a tight end screen. It was interesting to me. It was exciting to see. Maybe that's a play they're going to work in. That's something that Hackett devised or Hackett's going to lean on. So every time we get little glimmers of what the playbook's going to look like, I'm pretty happy. Here's what he said real quick. He goes, every meeting we have, he, talking about Hackett, is always talking about confusion. He wants everything to look the same so the defense doesn't know when a different play is coming. So I feel this is probably the most complex offense I've been in 
Now, granted, he's only two years in the league, but I really feel like it's going to be the best offense, right? Because you never know what's coming at you. Well, then, what, what are you saying here, Javante? Are you saying that this was a more complex offense than Pat Shermer? He goes, uh, I mean, it's, I don't know. There's just a lot more on the running backs this year. We've got to learn concepts. We're pretty much running backs. And here's what's interesting, Zach, and wide receivers this year, close quote. I think he gave himself away uh, when he said the defense won't know what to expect twice. We want to hit him with something new. And that's something I loved about Andy Reid in Kansas City for quite a while. If you watch his play calling throughout 60 minutes, he never shows you the same play, same formation twice. It's the sign of a really, really, really great play caller. I hope Hackett can be even half of what Andy Reid is on offense, but so far so good. They're going to utilize every piece they have and get um, multiple levels of production. Imagine Javante split out wide in the slot, getting a pass and having lead blocking what he can do down the field as a bowling ball. So I, I can't wait to see uh, everything Hackett has to offer. Well, and he did uh, catch. Let me let me find the stats I got here that I pulled up. So he rushed for 903 yards as a rookie on 203 carries. So that's a 4.4 yard average with four tutties. And then he caught 43 passes on 53 targets. Now, that's not nothing, Zach. As a rookie, he caught 43 passes. That's more than I thought he caught, honestly. For 316 yards and three additional scores. So that's 1,200-plus yards from scrimmage and you know seven touchdowns. So this is a kid that you, know, you need him to uh, stay in and pass block on third down. He can do that for you. He'll truck some dudes. He'll keep them on their heels. You need him to run out there and catch a pass, make a dude miss, and – I mean, the, the possibilities are endless with Javante. And same with Melvin Gordon. That's one of the smart things about bringing Melvin Gordon back is he can do a little bit of everything as well and at a high level. So combined, I guess the question there then becomes, again, Zach, something we've uh, worried at here for the last month or so since Melvin was officially back is what's the split going to be? And is it going to be a RBBC uh, focus? Or is it going to be, hey, let's lean into this young buck we've got in Javante, who still has a remarkable, uh, remarkably little tread taken off his tires? Because he was he's been in a timeshare division one the whole time at North Carolina, and now of course his entire time as a pro. So I don't know. They did a good job of splitting him. By good, I mean like they just got it pretty dang even, right? 50-50 last year between Gordon and Javante. I would like to see that swing. I know you're paying Melvin, but not as much. I'd like to see it go 70-30 to Pookie, but I don't think it will, Zach. What do you think? Well, you and I had the same uh, kind of logic, but we went different routes with that. I was going to bring up Melvin Gordon and have you pull up Gordon's stats as a pass catcher, and I, I didn't know Javante caught as many passes as he did, and I feel like Gordon maybe finished with less than that or comparable numbers. And my whole argument is if Javante can do that as well, then do you really even need Melvin Gordon? And you mentioned he's not making a lot, but he also has playtime and uh, st statistical incentives built into his contract. Could be worth up to what? What was it? Five mil, four and a half mil? Mm -hmm. yes. So he can unlock that if he gets those numbers again. I'm just thinking to myself, I'm a big Javante fan. You can call me biased, whatever. But if he's catching the ball, if he's running the ball, do you really need another running back on top of that taking more uh, reps away? For what it's worth, last year, Melvin, 28 receptions on 38 targets, and he did score twice. So it's supposed to be his calling video. card, though, and yeah. Javante as a rookie just outshined him. We have what we lovingly call here a Michaela bomb from the top rope. Kaboom. Thank the you, Duchess. Michaela. Thank you. Love you, Michaela. Thank you so much. When you're not here, we cry. You know this. 
It's great to see you. And looking good. You see her new DT jersey she's rocking in the pick? Love it. She says, uh, mark my words, Tim Patrick will make the Pro Bowl. And better yet, he will be an all-pro. She's high on Mr. Timmy P. What do you think, Zach? I I love me some Tim Patrick. Um, I feel like if he was the number one receiver, the alpha receiver in this offense, he could have a shot with Russell Wilson and the rest of the pieces. But when you're in a dogfight with Cortland Sutton, you're sharing reps with Jerry Judy and even KJ Hamler and all the other receivers and tight ends they have and receiving weapons, it's going to be tough for Tim Patrick to separate himself. But as we saw in the highlight video, he's going to be the guy that bails out Russell Wilson more likely than not. When you want to throw up a third down pass uh, into a sure-handed receiver, his, his target area, I think Tim Patrick can come down with it. He's reliable as reliable comes. I just don't know if he's going to overshadow his own receivers, let alone uh, other receivers around the NFL. We'll continue to talk a little bit more about this because I got something to say about Timmy P as well. But real quick, since Michaela is throwing down huge and early, want to give everybody an update on where things stand on our May contest on YouTube. We're going to take the top five finishers on Super Chat. All of you who are so kind and gracious and generous in supporting what we do here at MHH on these live streams, whether it's Zach and I or Broncos for Breakfast or any of the shows, and it's a small thing we can do to give back. And so we're going to take the top five finishers. Their name's going to hat, draw, Broncos jersey of the winner's choosing. The uh, top of the heap right now is Ethan, DWI guys, who hangs out in the morning because he's eight, nine hours ahead of us in London. The Duchess at two. And this is all as of this uh, today. So this just doesn't count tonight's stream. So going into tonight's stream. Michael Ronquillo, who has been throwing down like a boss at three. Pobby hanging in there at four. Tanner Hulse at five. Sam Bam, D-Dub, Shane, Mark the God King from George. I need to call Mark, by the way. Uh, Naj, Paul. And look at some of the movement here. Uh, shout out to Casey Nickel. Kendrick Ware moving up. He's in the top 14 now. Uh, you got Reese Scott moving up. You got Jeff Noyes moving up. You got Gary Blah Blah moving up. So, and there's still a few days left in this month. And and uh, so anyway, there's there's your update on the Super Chat Superstar contest for the month of May, uh, up to the date. So, here's what I want to say about Tim Patrick. When you look at, and for what it's worth, Michaela, I love Tim Patrick as much as the next cat. But when you look at the number of mouths to feed, and then you look at things like draft pedigree and how that can reshape priorities. Maybe that doesn't matter as much to the guy slinging the rock, right? Russell Wilson, in terms of when were you drafted and how much money are you making? But those things typically come out in the wash for every NFL team. I think it, it, by order of, you know, seats at the table, so to speak, Russ is at the head to his right hand is going to be Cortland Sutton. And then it's a true debate from that Zach on who is going to be that next person in the seat. But I think it'll end up being Jerry Judy. Then I think it'll be Timmy P. Then I think it'll be Albert Okawebunam slash Greg Dulcich, whichever one ends up actually garnering more playtime. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And the caveat to uh, what you said, which again is true, is that if Jerry Judy doesn't take hold of that number two role behind Cortland Sutton, I think uh, Tim Patrick definitely will. Again, he's been as reliable as reliable comes with every quarterback he's uh, been teamed with, and he's just one of the guys that you love to play with if you're a quarterback like Russell Wilson. Sure-handed, smart, dependable, big, big Timmy P guy. Um, real quick, shout-out to 
Savage Boy Kev, we like to get to at least one or two, if we can, Twitch comments every single night. We appreciate each and every one of you that do follow and watch slash listen on Twitch. Savage Boy Kev says, besides, obviously, Garrett Bowles, who do you think will make the most impact on the offensive line? And is it just an easy assumption, Zach, that it'll be Garrett Bowles? I'm not certain that it will be, but probably. So I would say the next guy, give me Quinn Miners. Impact could mean good or bad, though. So I'm going to go Billy Turner if you're talking about impact because, you know, good or bad, he's going to be the right tackle more than likely. He's either going to surprise a lot of folks like myself or prove those same folks right that he shouldn't be the starting right tackle. But, yeah, I think Garrett Bowles is the easy option only because we don't know the other starters. Who's going to be at left guard? Who's going to be at center? Who's going to be at right guard? Uh, Until those dominoes fall, I think Bowles is the only certainty we can bank on. But, yeah, I'm with Chad. Uh, miners as the uh, other surprise guy or impact guy. Hey, by the way, we just want to shout out the folks who get into the chat early when we schedule these streams like Diamond Rattler, uh, Dale Fleming jumping in early, getting the combo going, Huero, Tyler Brooks. It's great to see that conversation. Jay, love that. Love that. Um, all right, let me uh, let me pop down here. Oh, Albert Knopper's in the hizzy. Of course he is. The sky is blue, water's wet. Albert in the chat with us tonight here on the Huddle Up Podcast. Love it, dude. Um, Facebook, Chad Beach. Good to see you, my friend. Um, Since we're uh, grabbing a a Facebook comment, I'll show you guys. You can see here on the uh, ticker below where we stand on the Facebook contest. Looking pretty grim to get to uh, the goal of 200,000 stars in the month of May, but I remain convinced we can get there. Chad Beach, appreciate you, my dog. He says, Awesome. I caught a live one finally. Been watching them later in the evening with my busy schedule lately. But good evening, Priest and Broncos country. Hashtag MHH Denver Broncos for life and let's ride. Well, hopefully busy is good busy. Hopefully things are going well for you, Chad. Yeah, however you consume us, whether it's watching us or listening to us, we definitely appreciate it. Thank you, Chad. Uh, And Travis, real quick, before we grab Travis, here's your... uh, I don't want to forget. If If I just march right through, I will forget. Here's your top five... On the Facebook contest, if we end up hitting gold, Gary Leeds Palmer at number one, Mark Schrader at two, Tim Hoffman three, Phil McLaughlin four, and Jacob Foster, the silent one, at number five. And similar to the YouTube contest, as you guys know, when we reach the goal, we're going to raffle off a Broncos jersey to the winner's choosing. But in that case, the only people in the running are those who contributed to the goal. And the more you know, they have contributed, the more tickets in the hat and so on and so forth. So we really appreciate you guys. Uh, Trap, Big T in the house, huge stars throwing down like a boss. You the man, brother. He says, good evening, Chad, Zach, and Scott and Broncos country. My dark horse out of the receivers is also Timmy P. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to make a habit out of sleeping on Tim Patrick. I mean, the dude continues to exceed expectations, maybe even subvert expectations. I mean, the fact that they kind of had the Broncos, George Payton kind of had him in the same uh, frontal lobe hemisphere as Cortland Sutton when it came time to pay some dudes. Like, it's really cool. And anytime you see an undrafted guy get paid like that, dude, it's just, you know, it's a triumph. I love seeing that. So I'm not going to sleep on it. But uh, so much of this, Zach, is we have to extrapolate pieces. So we got to go, all right, what do we think? the Nathaniel Hackett scheme is going to look like based on what he did in Green Bay, based on what he did in Jacksonville. All right, now we take that as kind of our our foundation, and then we 
what's Russell Wilson going to look like in that scheme? We know what Russ looked like in Seattle's scheme over the years. What's it going to look like in this scheme? And so on and so forth. But Tim, I still he's going to have a really good year. Like I think Russell Wilson, Zach, is going to have or could have, could contend for his most prolific statistical season as a pro just because we know Hackett is making him the focus of the offense. I mean, you can sleep on Tim Patrick, but the man is a damn posturpedic, Chad. I mean, <laughs> he's he's a definition to let him hate, honestly. But not much I can say to add to your point other than if Tim Patrick happens to be your number three guy, you're doing something really, really right on offense, and uh, he's going to benefit from that. I mean, I can see maybe not 3,000-yard receivers. I can see two, but the third guy, if that is TP, I can see him finishing eight, 900 yards and six to eight touchdowns. He's going to be a big piece of this offense, regardless of his title or his role. Well, um, we're talking about Russ. Pop quiz, the last time the Broncos had 2,000-yard receivers in the same season. I want to say it was 2016 with DT and Emmanuel, but now I'm second-guessing myself. I don't know what Trevor at quarterback. Hold on, Demarius. I think that was a weird statistical anomaly. They both – let's see, DT got to in 16, 1,083, and Emmanuel got to – let's see here. Come on, PFR, let's go. Pro football reference. Why are you trying to uh, – yeah, that's the one I want. Dang it. Stand by, guys. Being slow, I don't know why. All right, I just got to close that tab. We'll, co- we'll come back to that, Zach. Um, but I'm almost certain Sanders, 1,000 yards as well in 2016. That was with Trevor Simeon, as you mentioned. And then 2015 – I know that well, they he, both didn't. They both didn't get to a thousand because Peyton was hurt. I don't know. Let me come back to that. If you want to grab the super chat, I'm going to go back to the research real quick. I just googled it. He had uh, 79 catches for a thousand thirty-two yards and five touchdowns. Blows the mind. I had no idea about that. I, yeah. I fancy myself a Broncos historian from that time period on 2016. I had no idea they had two thousand yard receivers. Probably why they came so close to a playoff berth, even with uh, Trevor Simeon at quarterback. But you know, it's doable. Again, if you have Simeon and you have not as great of an offense as you have now, you can definitely do it with Sutton and Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick. But regardless of how it's divvied up, this offense is going to be looking a okay. We got Huero Vidal jumping in. Appreciate you, bro. Great to see you. Thank you. We do appreciate you. You are uh, consistent. We don't see you maybe every single night. Although this is two nights in a row for us, so we're stoked to have you two nights in a row. But you've been with us a long time, my brother, and you are bona fide Super Chat Superstar here at MHH. He says, I think this is the first time ever I'm actually excited for special teams. When we beat the Chiefs, I'm making a Twitter account just to spam Nick Wright. Yeah, he probably deserves it, Zach. And he's going to get a lot of spam, but he'll never admit. I mean, he's the hot take artist to end all hot take artists. He'll never admit he was wrong, and uh, he'll go down with his beloved Kansas City Chiefs. But yeah, I'm to the bigger point about special teams, after suffering through Brock Olivo and uh, Atomic Man, it's so nice to have a guy who preaches accountability in Dwayne Stukes. He could still bomb. You know, it's, it's possible he's not – It's he, he's all – it's cracked up to be, but I like what I've seen from him so far. Joe D. Camillus, man, that's the last time they had a really solid presence on that side of the ball. I think Stukes can get back to that level. Amen. Uh, GLP in the house, currently ranked number one on Facebook in this month here of May. Good to see you, brother. Appreciate you as always. Right back at you. And he says, I'm looking forward to seeing the changes coming. 
to MHH. Yeah, there are some cool things coming, dude. Trust some cool things. In case you guys missed it, Zach and I, we are uh, no longer going to be streaming Wednesday nights. In our place is going to be Mile High Insiders, Nick Kendall, Luke Patterson. Saturday night, we're still figuring out exactly what we're going to do for Saturday night. But Zach and I will still be coming to you live Sunday nights, Monday nights, and Thursday nights. And then we're very close to being able to announce to you the impetus for us taking the Wednesday night. Um, I mean, first of all, MHI deserved it. Second of all, though, uh, is what we're waiting to announce. We just can't quite tell you yet. It's coming soon, though, and I think everyone's going to dig it. Can't wait to tell you all about it. I've been saying it for the last couple of days, and uh, Chad, too. It's going to be very exciting, guys, so stay tuned. And then, hey, we're continuing to just kind of roll things out and grow. We've been promising that things are going to uh, evolve and, and change for the better, especially for our YouTube community. And we got Kim rolling on Wednesdays now. Tomorrow, you got Legends of Mile High with Tom Hall, who has a very special guest. Scott, has he announced who the special guest is? Okay, so we'll keep that under our hat, or should I, should I blare it? Maybe I should blare it, dude. In Slack, he announced it. It's really, really cool. I'm going to be into that episode. I think we should. I'll uh, tell you what. Give him some Tomorrow promo. morning, all right, appointment watching for the subs here on uh, YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, all of you. Make sure you're watching Legends of Mile High on the Bright with Thomas Hall because guesting with him is going to be Denver Broncos, Ring of Famer, should be in the Hall of Fame, Carl Mecklenburg, it's going to be dope. I think he said it's the next week's show, the third. I'm not totally sure, though. I think he's going to announce it tomorrow. But Scott, it, it, tell, me in the, tell me in the chat because I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Well, now I'm second-guessing it as I kind of relay it. It's either – I'll come back to that. By the end of this show, we'll have clarity on that. Trust, trust. Uh, Albert says, Michelle and, and I are very excited for the next meet and greet. It's coming soon, dude. The, the dates, I promise you. Um, Zach and I got to put a few things together and we'll have that information for you Sunday promise Sunday. Okay. Promise you on that. We'll have the week to circle, which Broncos game, the first one, we're going to do two this year. The first one, you'll have it in the bag. Trust. Um, okay. So let me, uh, let me scroll down here. And Travis wants to know, is, is Lance and Eric still going to be around? Yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Dove Valley Deep Divers continues doing their thing, brother, on Friday nights, integral to uh, what we do here, you know, breaking down the draft and just kind of getting into the nitty-gritty analysis of prospects and scheme and all that stuff. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one's leaving. Zach and I are just uh, vacating Wednesday nights to make room for MHI. And then even though you might feel like you're getting less Huddle Up podcast, less Jensen and Kelberman. No, no, no. In the, in the final analysis, as you will soon learn, you'll end up getting actually more of us. So that's a teaser. Sorry in advance. <laughs> uh, PJ Rivas, that's a newer name. Welcome. Yeah, welcome, bro. Appreciate it. He says, hey, guys, Broncos fan since 88. That is dope. In fact, that's my first Broncos memory was 88. The Super Bowl against Washington, which was from the 87 season, but of course the Super Bowl is played at the beginning of that next year. So 88 watching that Super Bowl is my first Bronco memory. It says longtime MHH listener, first time super chat. You to man. Thank you for all you do for Broncos country. Let's go. Hey dude, hats off to you, PJ. Make sure you connect with us on Twitter. If you haven't already, because we like to shout out 
our uh, Super Chat superstars and supporters after each and every stream. Yeah, it's good to see you, PJ. Hope to see you again. And if you have any questions or comments, fire it in and we'll uh, we'll get to it. Um, I don't know if you guys have uh, – well, actually, I'll pull this up here in a second. Zach, I want to show – I want to talk about this new owner uh, potential guy, uh, Matt Ishba. All right? We haven't written about it yet at milehaddle.com because <laughs> – Neither Zach or myself are the first to run to the keyboard on ownership issues. As you guys know, it's like, hey, we'll get to it. But we wanted to uh, at least broach this. Nine News, of course, good old Mike Kliss. Matt and Justin Ishbia among bidders to buy Denver Broncos sources. I don't know if I'm even saying their name right. But let me just quote them real quick. There are players, writes Kliss, who star in the arena but struggle to find their way once playing days are finished. And there are players who aren't stars but thrive outside the arena to become financially successful. Meet Matt Ishbia, a reserve from Tom Izzo's 99 through 2000 national championship team at Michigan State, who is now so big in the mortgage business, he's among the bidders to buy the Denver Broncos. So Ishbia and his brother Justin are part of the group that have put together a strong enough financial propositions act to catch the attention of those running the Broncos sale, and they recently visited with Broncos execs and those involved in the sale. Last thing, sources tell Nine News that investment groups led by Rob Walton and Josh Harris have also toured Denver's facilities and met with team execs in recent weeks. And then last, another possible bidder, Todd Bowley, has been in London in recent weeks, finalizing his $4.25 billion purchase of the Chelsea soccer team in the Premier League. And it's unclear whether Bowley is still a potential bidder for the Broncos. And then there's the Byron Allen, uh, media mogul guy who's also in the mix accordingly, although he's yet to visit the team. So we have confirmation that Alan's still in the mix, Zach. All right. Uh, and then of course this, uh, this Ishbia dudes, your thoughts. My thoughts are uh, Ishbia is a surname that could go South on Justin. If he, uh, the Broncos country doesn't take to him very well, but again, Chad, I, I don't, I don't see anyone outbidding Rob Walton. It, to me, it's still, if it, it's Rob Walton's, franchise to lose if he doesn't want to buy them he won't buy them but if he does he can outbid everyone and will mention for the billionth time the broncos have a fiduciary responsibility to sell to the highest bidder so i hope uh ishbia is putting together his pennies and his nickels and adding up all his money and hopefully he can make a bid for himself but if rob wants it i think rob's gonna get it uh i'm reading here real quick for what it's worth Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Mecklenburg, you were right, Zach. Carl Mecklenburg joining Legends of Mile High podcast. Not tomorrow morning, not this Friday, but the next. We'll blast it out on social media and get everybody stoked. But it is officially next Friday. Um, Look, dude, I just want this whole ownership thing to just, let's go. Like, let's, let's get her done. It still feels like it's going to be hard for anyone to knock out Rob Walton in pursuit of the team here, but College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at one of 25 $1,000 savings plan deposits for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Look for the Save Now, Save Later giveaway under the scholarships page. Log on and register today. That's iowastudentloan.org. 
these dudes, you know, they got more than one or two pennies to rub together in terms of uh, having the financial wherewithal. Oh, man. It says, don't count out the Ishbia brothers. Nine News has profiled Walton and Harris, their groups, uh, and little has been mentioned about the Ishbias. Contrary to previous reports, uh, L.A. businessman Alec Gores and Florida investor Dean Metropolis are not part of the Ishbia buying group. So whatever those rumors are, but hey, do you want a guy that is a beneficiary of the Walmart empire or a guy that knows how to sell mortgages? I don't know. Take your pick. Billionaires. Sorry, I fell asleep on the topic, Chad. I'm, I'm to quote Vic Fangio. I'm waiting to go to sleep on this issue. I'm right there with you. Just solve it already. <laughs> just, just sell the team. Let's have a new owner. Let's win some football games, man. Let's, let's get the show on the road. Yeah, Dale. It, it does suck that my first Bronco memory was a lambasting at the hands of Washington. But for what it's worth, it started out really nice that game, right? Broncos jumped out to a quick lead, and then I think it still stands as the most prolific second quarter scoring of all time with Washington storming back and then the rest is history. But, but yeah, that's my first memory of watching a game. You know, I was indoctrinated into the orange and blue. So I have memories of, you know, other things like, you know, posters and uh, cards and toys and stuff like that before that. But for whatever reason, that's the first memory I can recall of watching a Bronco game, but I know it's not actually the first game that I was exposed to, you know, growing up there, it, it was on 24 seven during uh not 24-7, but every game day during the season, that, that's what was on in Casa Jensen. Michaela, when will an owner be announced? We don't have a for-sure timeline. All we know is kind of a vague, before the season we expect to have resolution type thing. So that could be that could be August. It could even be during the season. But it doesn't seem like there's any big rush here. They're all taking their time coming to visit the facility. And then whatever the next step is, you know, I would assume they all get a chance to, uh, hey, your bid is, you know, a little bit behind this guy's bid. How bad do you want it? You're going to have to bid again if you want to be, you know, it's going to go back and forth, I would imagine, a couple more times before this thing finally gets done, I would guess. But these things happen so rarely, Zach, in the NFL, ownership changes and sales of teams that I'd be lying to you guys if I said I'm some kind of an expert on how these things play out. Hopefully freaking soon this gets resolved. I just, again, I want a new owner and I'm sure the only person who wants an owner more than I do. And you do Chad is Russell Wilson. Cause he's probably not going to get a second contract until an owner is in place. So I hope mm. for his sake, for Broncos country's sake, for all of us, it's uh it's decided fairly quickly. Hopefully by this summer. Um, Albert dude. And Michaela, thank you for the super chat. The super chats really do. And the stars support us. Keep us going. Keep the lights on here especially as it relates to this podcast programming. Albert, though, he says Carl Mecklenburg needs to be a Hall of Famer. He has stats that no one has accomplished yet. Yeah, I could pull up an article Tom wrote not too long ago, and maybe I will, but um, we're talking about a, a guy who started at all seven positions in the front seven during his tenure. So think about it. Like, who on the Broncos today – could plausibly not only just say, I got to start at nose tackle and I'm a linebacker. Hey, but no, like you're starting because you can do the job and we expect you to do the job. Who on this defense, if any, could start at four eye, you know, defensive end, nose tackle, uh, edge, off ball, 
you know, like, and, and actually be good enough to justify to a coach that, yeah, you're starting this week at that position. Mecklenburg, Gratishar, Shanahan, Rod Smith. The Broncos have so many potential Hall of Famers that should be in Canton, should be inducted. Mecklenburg arguably tops the list. Uh, hopefully it happens. I'm not holding my breath anymore, but he's definitely deserving. And like Chad said, they don't make him like Carl Mecklenburg anymore. What he did, the versatility, how uh, how flexible he was, it's pretty incredible. No doubt about it. No doubt. Andrew Baker, what's good, bro? He says, what's up, fam? We had a good defense last year, but we're bad against the run. Are we better now against the run? And I love Kim's take that we have to get takeaways. So where do those come from? Hashtag MHH for life. Yeah, so we don't know yet. But the idea being you went and paid $30 million, Zach, over three years to get DJ Jones. And that, I I think you got to assume at least on some level, that's going to help your run defense. There's no guarantees in the league. You know, they're yet to take the field with this new iteration of the Broncos, but I think that's going to help out tremendously. Getting Josie Jewell back is going to help. We're not sure who's going to start yet next to him. That's not certain. Um, If Bradley Chubb's healthy, if Randy Gregory's healthy, who's going to start on the other defensive end opposite of Draymond? Is Draymond going to take a step forward as a run defender? There's just so many questions that I can't promise you that they're going to be better against the run. DJ Jones is definitely an upgrade that puts them, you know, points them in the right direction, Zach, but time will tell the, the, on that one. We, we just got to wait till it comes out in the wash. Awuzarike too. I mean, they've added yeah. some big bodies to that defensive line and the guy starting next to Jewel right now is the Eagles leading tackler the last couple seasons. The one thing he does well is run defense, Alex Singleton. So they've gotten markedly better against the run. They should have no problem there in terms of takeaways. Where do they come from? I'm still going to pound the table for PS2 having like a just a Jalen Ramsey type season for Ejiro Evero. He's going to be everywhere in the defensive back end. I think he's going to lead the team in interceptions. He's going to be a pro bowler, if not an all pro. Um, they're going to get after the quarterback. They're going to get sack fumbles. This is all hypothetical. This is all what they want to do. But having Randy Gregory, having a healthy Bradley Chubb, having Draymond, having some of these players in the back end. And also for run defense, you brought back Kareem Jackson, who's great against the run. So they should have no problem there. They were gashed up the middle. That was their problem last year. They were too soft at the point of attack. They're not soft anymore with DJ Jones and the players that we listed. Plus, hopefully, a healthy better performing Mike Purcell right in the middle. By the way, r- real quick, last thing on the albino rhino. All right, we're talking about Carl Mecklenburg here. That was his uh, nickname as a player. And you talk about his Hall of Fame resume. All right, he's already in the ring of fame. So that first and foremost, remember when we were talking with Jason Cole on the show and he said one of the first things when a guy becomes eligible or whatever and he goes under the scrutiny of the voters is he in his own team's ring of fame? Well, Carl is. Then you look at his resume. He's a four-time first-team All-Pro. So this wasn't just a guy that toiled away and was consistent for his team but could never really garner individual accolades or his team never really managed to have collective success. Broncos went to three Super Bowls with Mecklenburg, and granted, they didn't win any of them, and that's probably what the biggest reason he's not in the Hall of Fame. But four first-team All-Pros, Zach, one second-team All-Pro, Six-time Pro Bowler. I mean, this dude was a freaking animal, absolute animal. And he's really, uh, you know, I followed him on social media since social media became a thing. And some of his takes, dude, he's like very smart cat in terms of how he sees the game, the way he can articulate his opinions. And it's going to be really cool. 
So make sure you are in the room for Legends of Mile High. Not tomorrow. I mean, we want you there tomorrow morning, but Carl will be there June 3rd, next Friday. Appointment podcasting, courtesy of Thomas Hall. A bona fide legend of Mile High appearing on the Legends of Mile High. Yo, speaking of legends, we got Dave from Georgia jumping in, one of our great Super Chat superstars. Thank you, Dave. You the man. He says, Randy Gratishar, also deserving. You can argue more deserving than Mecklenburg, but that's to me a potato-potato thing. Uh, Gratishar is making 200 tackles a year in 14-game seasons. Mecklenburg played seven different positions and was a force at all seven. It's a crime they're not in the Hall of Fame. Preach, dude. We agree wholeheartedly. But that's part of the purpose. And I know it's, you know, we, we can't get ahead of ourselves in terms of, you know, we got to understand our place in the pecking order here. But that's one of the reasons for the Legends of Mile High podcast is to continue to shine lights on this team's legends that deserve scrutiny, even those who might not be deserving of the Hall of Fame, but are legends in their own right of the team, keeping their stories alive, keeping their legend alive, keeping momentum pointing. And even though it's just a one channel talking about this, right? It's a small thing we can do to keep those things alive and hopefully try and do what we can to push them and funnel them to the the attention of the voters. I mean, we all saw how long it took for Mr. B and Terrell Davis to get in the Hall of Fame. I, I'm not holding my breath on Mecklenburg or Gratishar. I, you can, it's debatable whether who deserves it more, but it's not debatable that both are deserving of being in Canton, Ohio. And it's, it's honestly a football crime that they're not. I agree with that, Dave. Uh, real quick here, guys. We love this. We're going to start doing this each and every week. When you buy merch at huddleuppod.com, we want you to send us in the pics when you get them, and we'll shout you out on Instagram. We'll shout you out on the podcast. Like this great family ordered some of the newer designs, Zach, that are on the merch store, huddleuppod.com. Go check it out. Hey, kids stuff, stuff for the ladies. We got hats. We got stuff for the dogs. We got a little something for everybody. Coffee mugs. You can buy it now in fact right under the video that you're watching right now if you're on youtube but shout out to the andrews family for sending this in and appreciate you patronizing the huddleuppod.com merch store you're awesome that's so cool um okay let us uh uh-oh we got a little spam bot in the youtube side looks like they're already on it though they're they're just go website and judas priest man i could spend half my day zach deleting those or reporting them just Same. going through mile high YouTube, YouTube yeah. comments. It's constant. Yeah. Ugh. Absolutely despicable. I hate Step that. It up YouTube. Okay. Um, Scott's saying, Zach, you're too young to appreciate what a stud Gratishar was. Learn up. Look, I'm too young to have watched Randy. I was born in 79. I don't have any memories of watching Randy like live. But I know enough, and so does Zach, about this team to understand what impact this man had on the right. game. And it is egregious that he's not in the Hall of Fame. I mean, there is the only argument that they can make with a straight face, um, and it still doesn't hold water, is that he didn't win a Super Bowl. But he was, whatever it was, nine years in the league, I want to say, just shy of 10, might have been right on 10. But either way, was arguably the most prolific burst of linebacker production in the history of the game. And he's not in the hall of fame. I mean, I was praising Gratishar. So uh, I don't know where the arrows are coming from, but go off Scott. I guess I, I defer to your, uh, your lived experience watching the Broncos and Gratishar. 
Let's see, 74, 74, 75. So exactly 10 years in the league. <laughs> 10 years in the league, and part of that time, they weren't even officially keeping track of tackles as a statistic yet. But he, he's officially credited on pro football reference, all right? Career. Um, yeah, we got to go to NFL.com on that, actually. But over 2,000 tackles for what it's worth, 20 picks, 2,000 tackles. The dude was a whirling dervish. Look that one up, you guys. He was a whirling dervish. Um, and if he had a star on his helmet, he'd be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Exactly, or Steeler, or if he was a Packer, or if he was a Niner, um, or if he was a Giant. Let's face it, and that's, again, even if he was a Dolphin, Zach, he'd be in the Hall. Mm. You know, Someone put this in perspective for me, though, not too long ago. We've been, we've had such uh, righteous gripes against the Hall of Fame voters for so long that it has kind of maybe clouded what momentum the Broncos have had in recent years. Like the Broncos went from, uh, let's see, John Elway, Shannon Sharp, and then Crickets for a long time. And then finally TD gets in, and then it's just been like, one after the other, Mr. B, Champ Bailey, Peyton Manning, shout out John Lynch, shout out Brian Dawkins, whom I'm, oh, Steve Atwater, hello. You know, and that's been just the last five years or so, Zach, that it's just been like this avalanche of the Hall of Fame making right on many of the, I mean, Champ just became a eligible. He gets in first ballot. Same with Peyton, and we get all that. But like Mr. B, the vestiges of the Super Bowl uh, 32 and 33 teams, so Steve Atwater and Terrell Davis. I'm glad they're making it right, but they still got a little work to do in terms of balancing those scales of football justice. Yeah, if they want to make it right, they can get in Mecklenburg, Gratishar, or Shanahan, honestly. like That's the more, I think, realistic, deserving candidate of the three. What he did transcends what most other coaches have ever accomplished in the NFL. He deserves his place in Canton, Ohio, for sure. Uh, Savage Boy Kev on Twitch. When was the last time our Broncos were on Hard Knocks? It'd be nice. They've never been on Hard Knocks. So I take that as a good thing. I wouldn't want them to be. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't like the drama and the, the association with it. What are, what are the requirements now? I'm trying to remember to be. I think you you can't have a rookie coach or is it, I think you can't have a rookie coach. Can't have a rookie coach. You can't have been on it. I think uh, for a certain amount of years. And also don't you have to be a bottom five finisher? That would make sense. Uh, I'm not certain, but just look, I think it's, do you really want that? I mean, it'd be fun for fans, right? The content would be great. Don't get me wrong, but what it means and uh, shining that light. I mean, I'm trying to think of Zach off the top of my head, the last, and again, they're dealing with the bottom of the barrel. That's why um, it is what I'm about to say. Last time a hard knocks team did anything that year that they were on hard knocks, I mean, I'm thinking back to the, some of those Bengals teams, all those Cowboys teams that have been on the hard knocks. Uh, I got nothing. The Rams, mm, maybe that Rams team. It was Goff's first year, though. So, no, that was that predated McVay showing up. So, I don't know, dude. I Miss me on that. Nothing beats, though, from a viewer's point of view, 2010 with the Jets and Rex Ryan. And I, I would have loved to see Nathaniel Hackett get up there and say, let's go get a – 
GD snack, you know, let's go get a snack. And uh, just his seeing his personality, seeing him with Russell Wilson would have been great from a, a viewer's perspective, but they don't need that distraction for a rookie coach and these new players. And George Payton doesn't strike me as the type that would want the cameras and the, uh, the intrusion around that HBO would, uh, would give. Raul says it's also, also worthy of hall of fame consideration are Jason Elam, Dennis Smith, Rod Smith, Tom Nalen, and of course, Mike Shanahan. So I think Mike will get in eventually uh, because now that he's in the ring of fame, just got put in the ring of fame last year. Let's remember, I think you're going to see him in re relative short order, find his way into the hall. And by that, I mean, probably within the next five years, I'm pretty confident in that, believe it or not. All right. Tom Nalen, another gross, despicable, utterly disgusting miscarriage of football justice that this man is not in the hall of fame. If you look at his resume, especially relative to the guys that are in the hall, especially relative to the guys that played his position uh, in his era, despicable Rod Smith. People will argue with me on Rod Smith and some of their points hold water. But when you get over 10,000 yards receiving as a former undrafted guy and you helped win two Super Bowls and you were multi pro bowler, you should be in the Hall of Fame. Play with a Hall of Fame quarterback. Again, if Rod Smith, if his 10,000 yards, if half of that came catching passes from a Joe Montana or a Steve Young, and he had two rings, he'd be in the Hall of Fame right now. I mean, Terrell Owens is in the Hall of Fame, for crying out loud. Because of his individual production, what did he ever contribute to, Zach, in terms of team success? Made it to one Super Bowl, right, with the Eagles? I'm trying to think if he ever... Played on Cowboys a broken leg. That was pretty cool. That was a heroic kind of uh, storyline. But if it was Rod Smith playing for the Niners, he'd be in the Hall of Fame. Right. Dennis Smith, I, I get it. But relative to, Zach, some of the gripes and arguments for the other guys, to me, as much as I am an admirer of Dennis Smith, he doesn't hold a candle in terms of worthiness to some of these other guys. Now, Dennis Smith, to me, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's not a guy that should be in the conversation, but Rod Smith's case, much more bulletproof and airtight, in my opinion. Same for Nalen and, of course, Shanahan. And that's not even mentioning Gratishar, Mecklenburg. Exactly. Pick one. I mean, just pick one of that list and, and do the right thing and make them a Hall of Famer. Hopefully that's, uh, that's meted out in the near future. Last name I want to throw out there, Lewis Wright. Or, I mean, the original shutdown corner. That, the, name, the, the phrase shutdown corner was coined. Because of right. So another guy. All right. Uh, we are at 45 minutes before we dip on out of here. Um, Zebulon says a lot of bills from the early 90s are in without winning a ring. Right. Like the Andre Reeds, the Jim Kelly's, the Thurman Thomas's, the Bruce Smith's. In Bruce Smith's defense, he retired career leader all time in sacks, still is. Luckily, they took that story from Denver. Um, without that Bills era, Denver would be the joke that the Bills for losses were. Without the that Bills era, Denver would be the joke that the Bills' four losses were. I don't quite understand that last bit there because Broncos won two Super Bowls, right? And, I mean, but still, Zach, monumental, the achievement of making it to four consecutive Super Bowls. It sucks that they lost them all, and they should have definitely won the first one. But I think people, as as – we get further away from that first Super Bowl against the Giants with Norwood wide right. They forget it wasn't a chip shot field goal. You still expect your kicker to make that, but 
I was in an argument with someone not too long ago, and they're like, yeah, yeah, well, this is like 25 yarders. I should have made that. It's like no-brainer. I had to look. It's a, It was like 40-something range. It wasn't a chip shot, but he missed it. I mean, the comments said that just because the Bills didn't have the rings that, you know, they have more clout in the Hall of Fame. But, like, the players you mentioned, Chad, are damn good football players. They're among the most legendary players football has ever seen. So I don't think ring should determine you know worthiness for the hall of fame necessarily 47 yard field goal by the way that he got uh absolutely crucified over which look you're getting paid the big bucks you're on the biggest stage in the biggest game got to make that but look again wasn't a chip shot dave appreciate super chat number two coming from a legend here he says why is john clayton in the hall of fame john clayton well because not too long ago and god rest his soul he recently passed by the way um but not too long ago, the media started becoming a part of it, like the, the most iconic uh, journalists that have covered the game. And, I mean, I would argue he's one of them. I mean, it's, this is a separate thing, right? Media doesn't right. – it's not like he's taking a spot from like a deserving Bronco player. Keep that in mind. Um, but, yeah, it's a shame. He just – he died this year, unfortunately, John Clayton. A lot of people have. It's, it's uh, kind of wild who's passing nowadays, Chad. But, yeah, it's a special contributor uh, category or a special right. separate category for media. So uh, I think he's deserving, and I think Madden will be there uh, posthumously, unfortunately, as well in the near future. All right. Um, last thing here, Zach, I want to grab, and then we will dip on out of here and say goodbye to everybody for the week. Um, Cortland Sutton. He uh, he says this new offense. I mean, here we had Javante Williams kind of talking about how it's more the most complex offense he's ever been in, and kind of what does that mean about by implication Pat Shermer's scheme? Well, Cortland Sutton compares the new scheme, unsurprisingly, to the 2019 scheme under Rich Scangarello. Now, why is that unsurprising? Well, this is the true Shanahan-esque. Um, system that at least that's the inspiration for Nathaniel Hackett's scheme. And uh, Scangarello was, you know, he springs off the Shanahan coaching tree. But real quick, Zach, here's what Sutton said. He says, yeah, there are a lot of positives to the offense. One of the things I would say is it's similar-ish to the offense we ran in 19. I felt like we found a lot of success. A lot of guys were able to, the ball going all over the place, and everybody was being able to make plays. That's one thing that we're seeing with this offense. We have thousands of ways to be able to line up and get whoever the ball, close quote. Not that it matters now, but maybe the Broncos shouldn't have fired Rich Scangarello after that first season, Chad. I mean, and people think he wasn't this great coordinator, but now you have Cortland Sutton. Not saying he's great, but they had success. They, they did what Pat Shermer couldn't in two years, so I'm happy that – a younger mind, this is what we talked about during the season, a more innovative mind, a, a mind more in tune with 2022 would behoove everyone on offense, and that's what they're getting. A lot of the 49ers elements, but just creative, and like Javante said, elements that keep you on your toes constantly. Guys, thank you so much for spending some time with us here tonight on the Huddle Up podcast. Zach's going to go through our rundown, but before he does, I just want to show you guys this. We're putting a lot of juice time energy investment into the merch store all right so go check out some of the new options for merch oh i mean it's quite prolific and extensive and then starting in june we're gonna have some really cool things to unveil for the merch store that uh is gonna make it more kind of engaging i think for everybody in the community and uh 
we'll we'll talk about that when it gets here, though. We don't want to spoil it quite yet. Lots of little cliffhangers we're leaving you with lately, but it's all good things. It's all good things. Trust. Yeah, that was the Huddle Up Pod, guys. We are done for this work week. We are back on Sunday night, same time, same place, 6 o'clock Mountain, 8 o'clock Eastern. Until that time, follow us on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. You can follow the main account on Twitter at Mile High Huddle. You can follow Chad on Twitter at Chad and Jensen. You can follow myself at Kelberman NFL. Follow Scott on Twitter at Scout Kennedy. If you guys want some merch, you guys know what it is, where it is, huddleuppod.com. Get your merch on as Chad just displayed. New store, new uh, products popping huddleuppod.com and facebook.com slash mileihuddlepod like that page follow that page guys if you haven't please go to apple podcast and leave your football priest a five-star review for a chance to win some merch each and every month but if anything as you see ticking below you please do these three things subscribe like and share this video and every video you see on the mhh channel it really helps us grow and reach more broncos fans just like you and reminder when you're on youtube now you can buy it on YouTube, merch, huddleuppod.com, stuff right under the, the video box. Shout out to these great supporters, though, tonight on Facebook, throwing down, doing their part to try and help us hit goal, like Travis Weber, Big T, GLP, Gary Leeds Palmer, Chad Beach, and Andrew Baker. Did, did we ever learn what TL means? I don't think we ever learned what that means. You'll have to tell us next time, Chad, what, what that's about. Also, shout out these great Super Chat superstars, the Duchess, Michaela, Huero, PJ Rivas, a newcomer, stoked to have you, and Dave from Georgia, as Zach said. We appreciate each and every one of you. Like the video. Hey, even if you disagree with us, if you at least respect the effort, share it out there. Help us reach those Broncos fans wandering the desert. They don't even know we're out here. You guys are out here waiting to embrace them. Sharing the content really helps to reach those guys. Have a great weekend, guys. See you Sunday night. Take care, and as always, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Ram Power Days is going on now with our most powerful lineup of trucks ever. Hurry in and don't just feel the power, own it. And right now, get 0% APR financing plus $3,000 total bonus cash allowance on 2022 Ram 1500 Bighorn Crew Cab models equipped with a gas-powered V6 engine. Don't miss this great offer. Visit Ram.com to find your local Ram dealer today. Financing for all qualified buyers through Chrysler Capital. Not all buyers will qualify. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery by 1031 22.